Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners. This is your host, Strategic Communications Chairman David Campbell. In this episode, we'll be talking about trading. And to help me with that, in addition to Chris Gruner, your negotiating chairman, we brought in another member of the negotiating committee and from the scheduling committee. So let me introduce those now. First of all, from the negotiating committee, Drew York. Drew, thanks for joining. Yeah, no problem, David. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you here. And Scott Rubin is our scheduling committee chairman. Scott, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Yeah, absolutely. So trading is obviously an important part of our new contract. We've addressed all of this as as solving problems, and this was one of those. So Chris, maybe give us an overview before we get into the nuts and bolts of this section. Yeah, as we've talked to pilots and polled and done all the other uh, stuff, trying to make sure we were listening to the pilots and what their requirements and needs were this contract cycle. Um, Flexibility kept popping up to the top of the list. So over and over again, we heard the frustration that pilots had with uh, being able to manage their schedules, whether it was setting something up long term or close in, being able to move things around to manage their lives on a daily basis. So, I mean, we all understand that being a pilot has some kind of unique lifestyle impacts when you're trying to maneuver around anniversaries or birthdays or even just appointments and things like that. So it's something that we really worked hard to fix and get things on track. And to that end, uh, the scheduling committee just put in a tremendous amount of time and effort into working to improve this issue to the maximum extent that they could. So just backing up a little bit, there's really two big things that impact flexibility. One's that initial line award. And so we did talk about PBS in one of the podcasts, and we'll make sure that you know we explain more about how that affects your flexibility, especially looking a little bit longer uh, term and uh, allows you to kind of balance trade-offs and things right up front instead of having to do it through uh, changing the line over the course of a month. But then trading is another big piece of that, right? Is once you get that line, how do you move those trips around? How do you get what you want? How do you fly more in one month and make more money and then being able to drop down another month to be able to manage your life? And a lot of pilots, it's month to month. They make different decisions depending on what's going on. And if you have a system that allows you to find that balance, then overall you're going to have an offsetting Uh, impact from another pilot that's going to be able to cover the operation and provide you that time off or vice versa. So uh, what we identified was, uh, and I mean, this is intuitive to everybody here, but we have a more restrictive trading system than anybody else we could find. So, uh, and it's, it's difficult to solve in a lot of ways because every system is unique, but the concepts are the same, right? You need reserve coverage um, in order to cover the operation. And then the more you're able to kind of lubricate and move trips around side to side, now you're going to actually improve operational reliability for the company because people are flying more of what they want to fly. So it's a little bit of a give and take on those issues. And uh, I think there's a lot that the scheduling committee has done uh, along working with the negotiating committee in order to uh, address these the best we can. That being said, I'll kick it over to Scott and Drew to talk more about the uh, specifics and uh, how we kind of worked to uh, improve trading. Yeah, Chris, I'd just like to add a little bit about being able to trade throughout the month. I think as pilots, we all do 
our due diligence when we first bid a line or when PBS happens, when we make our PBS bid, that we understand what's coming the next month. But, you know, life events happen and the ability to move those things around as the month happens or right after you get your award, I think, is very important. So uh, I think we've made some good strides in the ability to make that happen. Let's talk about those things that you're able to achieve that will hopefully make that easier in the new system. Scott, I think uh, a lot of what seems like a pain point for people as they try to bid is they're told that the adequate reserve coverage is limiting their ability to trade. So that's a problem, I I think is a fair way to put it. How has that been addressed? Yeah, so you got to identify the problem, like you said. Our first problem is when a trade is processed, the system looks at first, do you have what's the total available pilots on reserve versus the required arc? And then it looks at the individual wraps and looks to see if there's coverage in each wrap. We wanted to drive to a trading system where it just looked at the totals only and not the individual wraps. And by doing that, you're gonna increase the trading available to pilots by a large percentage. So that's the first thing we tackled in this new system was trading off the total arc and total available reserves is the foundation of this new system. Yeah. And just to be clear, that's a big driving factor on why we made the changes to the reserve system we did. That's one of the foundational reasons, right? Absolutely. And that changing that reserve system has been an attempt of ours for a couple of years. We've gone over several iterations of a new reserve system. And we finally, uh, with a very large group of people within our pilot ranks, have helped out and come up with something that uh, we think will work in this situation. But we'll cover that reserve stuff in in another podcast, but on this one, just stick to the trading stuff. So that's a big piece of it right there, isn't it? You're no longer limited by the individual wraps. You're just looking at a a single day within each base. Correct. And, And so that's the first step is try to get more trades right off the bat because you have adequate reserve coverage. But then what happens if you don't have adequate reserve coverage and we start looking at the MOUs for trading. So we addressed, that was our next step is widening those. And I don't know, Drew, if you want to talk about some of the things that we did in that. Sure. For instance, the, uh, the same day trading MOU right now has a lot of restrictions to it. Uh, it had to be plus or minus four hours. There was a percentage involved of how much of the trip would be involved in walk one, things like that. We've widened those rules significantly, getting rid of several of them. Um, now you can trade into a trip that's equal to or longer. Those times no longer apply. You just have to touch a walkle period instead of grabbing half of it with the trip you're trading into, which is a, a huge advantage. And then also the blackout days, uh, there was a whole list of them. There were holidays listed. There were an additional six days in the MOU that was listed. We've now tied those blackout days to just days that will pay holiday pay. So that's going to widen and make that MOU a whole lot more useful for pilots that wish to trade around. Yeah, and uh, real, real quick, Scott, sorry. Um, I think it's just important to take a moment and explain the MOUs and what they did. And you, you mentioned it earlier. I just want to reemphasize the point. Trading is based on ARC, based on reserve coverage, and the MOUs are parameters which allow a trade to go through independent of that reserve coverage. So I just wanted to make that point. They don't restrict trading. All they do is open it up, and we've reduced, as Drew mentioned, 
the uh, number of parameters required to uh, meet that threshold. And we've also introduced a time that they have to respond to it. They have two hours now. If your trip is denied just on JCTE, you can submit an inquiry to the trade desk and they have two hours to get back to you and let you know whether or not that trade is going to happen. So there's no longer kind of spinning your wheels in the sand waiting for an answer. I was just going to add to Chris's point, just to double down on it. When a trade is denied because of lack of ARC, the game could be over, but it's not. Then you go to the MOUs to work around ARC. The MOUs never, ever deny a trade. They only approve a trade. If you don't meet the parameters of the MOU, then the trade would fail. So widening the MOUs to make them more usable is going to have great utility to our pilots. More trades are going to go through before them. Drew mentioned this, but I want to double down on this one. Pilot frustration, I've heard it many times where I was going to trade a two-day trip for a four-day trip and it was denied. And how does that make any sense? I'm picking up more out of open time. And we've resolved that in widening these MOUs because now it's equal to or greater than if you're pulling it out of open time. The walkle restrictions, how it was written really didn't make any sense to anybody. And so now you can trade and as long as your trip has a portion of walkle and you're picking up one that has a portion that is walkle, it's going to go through. Scott, let's talk a little bit more about ARC or adequate reserve coverage, because that, that in and of itself has been a problem if there aren't enough pilots to cover. All of what you're talking about sounds great, but if we don't have that adequate reserve coverage, does it really matter? So how are we addressing that issue? Yeah, it's a good question. So if the company screws up its staffing plan and you end up starting a bid period or going into a bid period and you don't have the reserve staffing that you've planned for and that is required to cover the operation. What kind of safeguards, what can we do to still provide some level of flexibility for the pilots? And that was super important to the MEC. We took the approach like other airlines have done that also have PBS. And this piece will come after PBS implementation, but having a minimum number of duty periods that are open that allow a pilot to drop something into open time, regardless of the staffing level, was really important to us. So I'll give an example. The language says 20% of the required reserves. So if required in a smaller base is set at 10, then 20% of that would be two. You can have two open duty periods on any given day in that bid period. And all that does is allow some level of a pilot can drop a trip on a day or trade for another one. And it we've been calling it seeding open time to actually get trading going. And it's very minimal risk to the company, but it's very valuable to the pilot group because if they don't have the staffing to hit required, it still allows the pilots to have some automatic trading ability. Scott, Again, I'm just make sure I get my head around this. And it's hard to wrap your. I wish we could have a, a whiteboard where I was drawing it up, you know, so that you could see it. But uh, let me try it again. Mm-hmm. So, if we have a required set at ten, so I need ten reserve pilots that day to cover the operation is what's determined, and we have twelve available, 
two duty periods could be dropped into that day. Okay. Now with the 20% of open duty period language that we've captured, if we have required at 10 and I only have nine available and there's no open duty periods, they just didn't staff on that day to 10 or above like they should. Now we, the pilots can at least drop two duty periods into that day, 20%, you know, which is two out of 10 in this example. Once those two, once duty periods are dropped in, it's going to fill those, fill up those empty spots. And then that part will shut down, but then you still have the widening of the MOUs. You got bad day, worst day language that will still help us trade regardless if those get filled. It's mm -hmm. just, a, it's just some, the concept is when you come out of PBS, there's not going to be a lot of open time and we want to start seeding the ability to trade regardless if the company doesn't staff adequately in a base. Yeah. So our ability to trade shouldn't be penalized by the company's lack of staffing or, or, or a problem with staffing that comes up on a day-to-day -day basis. Correct. And the MEC made it clear to us that we needed some metric to address that issue. And, and this does. Yeah. And just to reemphasize the point, I mean, it's definitely good for pilots then, but it also helps cover the operation because people are able to move those trips around to get what they want to fly and they're going to get covered. We do every month we look at in our art committee, Justin Albright and, and Arna Harris, they do deep dive into the trading matrix that happen. And it is clear that when you give flexibility to pilots, they pick up open time and cover the operation better. When you restrict it, the inverse happens. Yeah. And in addition to that, we have trading when you're below arc. So it's not drop without a picking something else up. But uh, we looked at this, uh, we call it bad day, worst day kind of language. I don't know if you wanted to explain that as well. Yeah, it, it's a, a summation of reserves available and comparative to other days. So you can actually add up the total reserves and come up with a number. There are several examples within the contract of how what an approved trade and what a denied trade would look like. So I think once you get your eyes on that, you can see how that works. It's going to allow more flexibility for sure. Yeah, so the general idea is you have two trips that are both on days that are uh, that have reserve coverage that is less than what would be required. And as long as you're making the worst day better, it's gonna allow that trade to go through. So that's something that I know the scheduling flex team several years ago was working really hard on getting moving. And uh, it's just something we've just worked from that template to continue to try to uh, work towards implementing and uh, finally was able to get that across the line. And this might be a good time to bring up the scheduling floor volunteer working in conjunction with the schedulers. They're helping out, figuring out some of these things that they're introduced and making sure that the the wording in the contract is followed properly, but that's not as, I mean, that's not his entire job. You know, he's not there to grade anybody. He's just there to help the, help the process. He's not overlooking anybody by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So that's a Alpa volunteer that'll be, I mean, literally on the scheduling floor, shoulder to shoulder who can help out. Is this? That's correct. I think we'll have what, four or five of them, Scott, that are. Yeah. Well, I think it's four that we'll have. We modeled this program after United, who's been doing it um, for 15 years now, where they have ALPA volunteers on the scheduling floor that are working with and alongside the crew schedulers to 
help reduce the number of grievances that happen and to answer pilots questions and um, super beneficial to the crew schedulers too at times when a pilot's like I think this is wrong and you can hand the phone to your ALPA volunteer and, and yeah sorry that but this is the way this goes but crucial going into a new contract having getting it right right out the door and having this partnership with scheduling floor volunteer where we're working together to learn the new language and how to apply the new concepts there are lots of calls on the um, contract compliance line just for that very thing for trades and the pilots not believing that they're going through properly so this might be the first you know the first fence in defending that and actually talking to an alpa volunteer who is knowledgeable with what's going on that might save cct some calls and might get questions answered faster than they are now which is a positive for everybody yeah and i, and I think to the point it may resolve the issue right there on the spot right? absolutely yeah I've, I've heard you guys in some of our meetings talk a lot about widening the credit window explain what that is and how that will affect pilots Currently, the credit window is the monthly minimum to uh, monthly maximum plus five as stated in the bid package. If it's a flex month, there might be an additional two or three hours. We're now going to have that credit window be from 70 hours all the way up to whatever the FAR 117 rules will allow. So your flight duty max times, those are what are going to apply to your credit. So you could potentially have a whole bunch of vacation credit or training credit or whatever, but as long as you're within the rules of the FARs, a pilot can boost up their time quite a bit. So he might finish up the month with 110, 120 hours based on soft time and all that other deadhead credit is now 100%, but that's not gonna count against flight time credit because you're not actually flying. So you'll get additional credit and not be penalized for it necessarily. So there will be an ability there to, to work up your time quite a bit and make more money as the month progresses. Well, as it relates to trading, uh, kind of what I'm hearing is one of the things that's difficult right now is if, if you have four day trips, you're essentially stuck. It's almost impossible to trade a four day trip. I mean, you got to get really lucky just the, the way the credit challenge is. And this will help that a lot if I'm understanding you right. Yeah, David, for sure widening the credit window and making that larger absolutely gives us the more ability to move some of those four-day trips or pick them up trade them whatever having a bigger playground to play in is just advantageous to all of this in trip trading and pilot flexibility additionally with the higher credit that's being given to training days vacation days average daily guarantee there's going to be a little bit more space within a pilot schedule to add time as well so that's going to be another way that a pilot can increase their pay and increase their time for the month. Yeah, just to double down on that, Drew, higher credit is going to create what we call more white space and more days off. And that in and of itself is going to give the pilot a better opportunity to maneuver their schedule around. When you have all this flying and low credit trips packed into a line that has 12 days off, there's just no space to move anything. With the added credit, with average daily guarantee, full credit for deadhead, those types of things are going to create more days off for pilots, more white space to move their schedule around. So that with the uh, widening of the credit window, is going to be very helpful to our pilots in trading. Yeah, and this really goes to the core of what 
you were talking about all along, Scott, which is that optionality, right? The ability for pilots to get more days off because there is that higher credit or to be able to pick up and fly more and get more pay. And so now when you have more space to do that, there's just a lot more opportunity for pilots to do one or the other and then have those offsetting effects to be able to balance it all out at the end of the day. There have also been some favorable improvements in how the company treats open time and makes it available for the pilots to grab that time. For instance, the next day, anything that came into open time after the assignability window was basically off limits to the pilots. That's not going to be true anymore. That new open time that starts today, the assignment window, I believe, is 1400. So new open time that falls in after that, pilots will have an a chance at picking that up and putting it on their schedule. There are some time limits to how long that trip must remain in open time. And so that way there's more availability for guys to pick up time if they want to. Yeah. And it wasn't even put into open time. So that's what you mean, right? The pilot, we didn't even know it existed. Correct. So you, you might've been available trying to build up your line value and you, you had no opportunity because it wasn't in open time. Right. And seat substitution events also have been codified that they'll be available to pilots. They'll still be available for instructors initially, but if there are any left, they're going to go into open time for pilots to be able to pick up, which wasn't the case before. And Scott, I want want to make sure I understand what you meant by more white space. Basically, that's credit on your line that doesn't occupy uh, an actual working event. Is that right? So that you've got more flexibility in your schedule? I would say the higher credit on those events allows for more open time because you're packing more time into those events. So they're not, don't have to be filled up with trips necessarily. So you have more ability to put something else on your days off, Mm -hmm. I think is maybe a better way of looking at that. Yeah. And I think, let me give you an example of what I mean by more white space. So we have Three day, three calendar day trips that depart, let's say Seattle, they go to Hawaii, you have a long layover in Hawaii and then you fly an all nighter back and you get land in Seattle at six in the morning on the third calendar day. Those trips are paying 12 hours. So if you look at a line of those, a schedule built with those, you're going to have 12 days off. With average daily guarantee, now that same trip is going to come in much more valuable to the pilot, same amount of work, but instead of 12 days off, it's going to give you 14 to 15 days off. That's creating the more white space on your schedule where you don't have a duty to Alaska airlines where either you keep the day off or you can trade into that day out of your days or pick up flying. It just gives the pilot more flexibility because of this extra white space in order to control their life. Gotcha. More opportunity for choice. Exactly. And that choice could be to maintain the day off or work more. Yep, absolutely. Gotcha. White space equals days off or time off. I like having the balance there, though, because there are people that are looking for more. Well, exactly. I mean, because you have the choice, it could be a day off, it could be work, and that's helpful to the company because it helps get the schedule yeah. covered. Pilots can't pick up something for the company when they don't have any time off to do it. Right. And I like, I, I think it was you earlier, Drew, saying that, you know, some, or no, Chris, it was you. The whole calendar year is different for an individual pilot. There are some months where I don't have anything going on. I'd be happy to work as much as I possibly could. And 
protect a month that maybe my brother's getting married, for example. Absolutely. What's important to a pilot this month changes every month, whether it be a specific day off, the types of trips you want to fly. It can be seasonal. We always have different wants and needs, every single one of us, every other month, you know, so having choice and flexibility is totally understandable why we needed to fix that in this contract. So we were just talking about ways to create more ability for pilots to choose. And then I think part of that is they need things to choose to pick up. And so there've been some changes that will, for lack of a better word, create more opportunities or create more flying opportunities to pick up. So talk about that. And basically, I guess I'm talking about the open time changes. Yeah, to, correct. To yeah, there were some additions made of what type type of time is going to be available for pilots to pick up, how scheduling can handle that open time as far as being able to mix trips together or break trips apart and make them available to pilots. Another way we offered open time for additional pickup was for pilots to be able to pick up trips out of their base, out of their domicile. So for instance, if a trip was in open time, up until three days before that trip, the base would own it. Inside of that three days, a pilot from out of base could pick up that trip. So that would allow time for, just to use an example, the Seattle pilots to pick it up if they didn't want that trip and it had three days to go before departure, then other pilots could go in and pick up that trip. Trips that fall into open time inside of that 72-hour period must remain for that domicile's pilots to bid for a minimum of six hours. And then it will open up for other pilots from other bases to pick up. So there's still some trip ownership for the base for a set amount of time. And then if it doesn't get picked up, then other pilots from other bases can pick that trip up. So that's flexibility for additional pilots as well. Yeah, and it, it also has the added benefit of if a pilot picks it up, then a reserve doesn't have to fly it. So it's beneficial for the reserve pilots and the out-of-base pilots and the company because it removes open time and preserves the reserve. Absolutely. What about combining trips? Yeah, another thing, David, that we address in this contract is how open time itself is handled by crew scheduling. We've seen crew scheduling combine these trips days way ahead of time, frustrates the pilots because they're like, hey, I would have picked up that two-day trip, but it was made into a five-day pairing and handed to a reserve, and this reserve got this big five-day trip. So we said you can't combine open time until you're actually going to assign it to a reserve. So those trips would have to remain separated until they're going, okay, now I need to make a trip for a reserve and this is just how I I have to put the trips together to cover the operation. Also, the company can pull apart a trip anytime they want. So if they got a four-day trip and they think, hey, we can break this trip up and we might be more appealing or people might pick it up for us, we allow them to break it up anytime they want. But there's controls on when they can combine a trip. Yeah, so in short, basically what happens now is that the company can only make it easier to pick up a trip but can't make it harder to pick up the trip great point one of the pain points our pilots have had is a trip trade being denied because it happens to go past midnight and their crew scheduling was counting as an additional day give you an example i'm on a what we would consider a two-day trip and it gets in on that second duty period just after midnight and i want to trade that two-day 
for another two day and they go, no, you're giving us a three day trip. And Drew, talk about how we fix that issue. Yeah, if you look at the back of the bid package, you'll see several of these trips that get back at 0130 in the morning and they're considered a three day trip. We've solved that by making trips that get back prior to two in the morning not count as an additional day. So those currently three day trips that get back at 1.30 in the morning will now count as two day trips. So when you go to try to trade one of those, you won't have to pick up a trip that not only does it get back at 0130, but there probably aren't that many. So now you're being forced into picking up something because it's a quote unquote three day, something that gets back at like 10 or 12 in the morning, you're killing your whole day. Now you can just trade that for another two day trip. So maybe instead of getting back at 1.30 in the morning, you get back at 10 that evening. It's a fairer way of doing business for sure. Cause it's really, it's not a, it's not a three day trip. So we've solved that by just extending the time to anything back before zero 200 will count. One of the things I've heard, whether it's my flying partner or doing one of these coffee sits is people are wish there was an easier way to communicate with other pilots about trading trips. Have we dealt with that at all? We have pilot to pilot trading itself is a very popular item. I mean, we see it in open time all the time when pilots are trying to get rid of a trip. There's been an added version of that where a pilot can actually go in and ask for a type of trip. So you may not know that another pilot is wanting to do something and you may not want to give up your trip because you still need the time. But if he's advertising for something that that you have and you find the ability to get rid of it, then that's that's great. It's just it's more opportunity for guys to adjust their schedules and uh, take a look at those things and get their word out there and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to fly on these days and here's what I'm looking for. I don't see a reason not to do it. All right, well, before we close this episode, Chris, I'd like to ask you to recap what we talked about here. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of information on this and I know some of it at times can be confusing. Our goal here is to make sure that when it's actually implemented, it should be more intuitive, especially over time. And a lot of the stuff's gonna happen in the background so you won't necessarily see it on a daily basis. And hopefully all you're seeing are the improvements to your flexibility and quality of life. Just wanna highlight and just maybe uh, summarize some of the things that we uh, just talked about. So. First of all, we did take a lot of time to look at how other airlines managed trading. So along those lines, when you look at the way open time is handled and the consistency with how it's placed into the system and how it remains there until it's either picked up or assigned to a reserve pilot at a certain time, that's consistent with other airlines. When you look at a wider credit window to trade, when you see more credit applied to trips and different rigs that uh, give more credit to, uh, uh, you know, for example, the uh, average daily guarantee. When you look at opportunities for out-of-base pickup, all of these are flexibility tools that uh, maybe they're not exactly the same as other airlines. It's not that they're worse or anything along those lines. It's just different because it's how they thread into the system we have, but it's the same concept that other airlines use. On top of that, we talked about how we allowed more trading based on the reserve coverage that we have and also uh, pilot to pilot improvements. So uh, broadly, uh, we worked hard to attack this problem from different angles. Those are a lot of the uh, main issues that we address. There's other more subtle ones, I think, throughout the contract. And if you have questions on any of the language, we're always happy to talk to you about it. But hopefully this gives you some uh, clarity and uh, understanding of what's in the contract as you go forward to vote. Thank you, Chris. And 
to our listeners, I, I hope you found this helpful and informative. Our goal here is to help everyone understand what's in the tentative agreement and also to express how complicated it is and how many individual pieces fit in with others. And I think the trading is a good example of that, how you really need to understand the tentative agreement as a whole and complete document, get the 30,000 foot view, if you will, of what's going on in this tentative agreement. So this was a piece of it. The other podcast episodes that cover the TA, we'll talk about other parts of that, but really taken as a whole is, I think, the most important way to evaluate whether this tentative agreement meets your needs or if it doesn't. So to that end, I certainly don't expect that all of the questions got answered in this episode. So if it raised others or if in the future you are scratching your head over a particular point or issue, please reach out to us. Everyone who is on this podcast is available by phone or email to answer your questions. We have other subject matter experts that can help. And of course, your reps are an important resource to you. Also, the website alaskapilots.org has everything tentative agreement related on there, and that's available to pilots and pilots' family members. Again, alaskapilots.org will get you there. And for pilots, you can go behind the firewall and get all of the contact information for all of the committee structure. And with that, I'll thank you for listening, and we'll uh, chat with you more on, on the next episode.